welcome back to the podcast. You are listening to Let It Out With Me. I'm your host, Katie Delbaut. And today on the podcast, we have a live episode. I recorded this a couple weeks ago in my neighborhood at this magical Ayurvedic restaurant with the chef and the owner, Divya. She's one of the sweetest, most wise people that I've ever met. And she has a talent for making people feel cozy and warm and nourished, which is great because she's a chef with a beautiful restaurant. You'll hear all about it in this episode, but what you might want to do if you haven't listened to episode 200 with Sahara Rose, maybe go back and listen to that one first because we talk about Ayurveda quite a lot in that episode and this episode we don't get into Ayurveda as much in terms of what it is and how it can be helpful. We talk about that a little bit, but that episode number 200 would be a really good one for you to listen to either before or after this episode so you can get a really great understanding of Ayurveda if it's something that you're into. If not, you'll love this episode just the same. You'll hear all about it, but Divya has this beautiful place in the East Village called Divya's Kitchen, and it's a restaurant that does things completely differently than anything else in the restaurant industry. And I love it. I get takeout from there multiple times a week and I love going in and having a beautiful dining experience. We recorded this episode in front of a live audience. If you were there, thank you so much for coming. And then we all had brunch after, and it was one of my favorite experiences that I've had since being in New York. And I can't wait for you guys to hear the episode. And I hope to do many more live episodes. I'm planning one in LA for early spring, late winter, which I'm very excited about. And hopefully many more in New York. I have an event coming up at the end of January at Cap Beauty in the West Village, which I'm so excited about. The link to that will be in the show notes. And... Today's episode is brought to you by some amazing sponsors, like, first off, Juice Beauty. If you've been listening for a while, you know Juice Beauty, you love Juice Beauty. I even interviewed the founder, Karen, who believes that women shouldn't have to choose between beauty and their health, and she finds a way to have every product actually work the way cosmetics should, but also benefit your skin and your health and your well-being. So they offer luxurious, high-performance skincare that is all vibrant, plant-pigmented makeup made with antioxidant-rich, good-for-your-skin, certified organic ingredients sourced from farms, mainly in California. And you can actually feel how natural the products are in your skin, but that doesn't mean they don't work. They work really great. I love their products. I love their primer. I use their mascara. I use their face wash. There's green apple cleanser is one of my favorite cleansers that I've ever used in my life. Gwyneth Paltrow is actually their creative director for their makeup line. And let me tell you, the woman can act and she can be a creative director for Juice Beauty's makeup because it's really great stuff and I love it. If you guys want to try it, I think you should if you want to. The place to go is juicebeauty.com slash let it out. That's juicebeauty.com slash let it out for 15% off your order. Thank you, Juice Beauty, and thank you for checking out the sponsors. When you support the sponsors, it supports the podcast. It's also brought to you in part by Cara Vitamins. They are the supplement company that does things differently. 
it can be so challenging to figure out which vitamins to take, especially when you're at the drugstore or the health food store and no one is there to help you. There's so many options, but Care-of has got your back. You just go to their website, you take a simple quiz, it asks you questions about your lifestyle, your diet, your sleep, your energy levels, and from there, it curates a customized, personalized daily pack of vitamins, which are so easy to take with you on the go, especially if you're traveling. And best of all, they source their supplements with the best ingredients, and you actually end up saving money when you get your supplements right from them compared to going to your local health food store. I love their stuff. They now even have prenatal and natal supplements for moms and moms-to-be that are customized to exactly what stage of pregnancy or post-pregnancy you are in. So check out Care of Vitamins, and the best thing about this is that since you are a listener of this podcast, when you go to takecareof.com, that's takecareof.com, and use the code Katie at checkout, you get 50% off your first order. That's half off, half of the percents off just by being a listener to this podcast. Thank you, Care of. Thank you so much, Juice Beauty. Thank you for listening. Enjoy this fun episode that was recorded live in New York City. And next time you're in New York, definitely check out Divya's Kitchen. They have the most comfortable chairs of any restaurant in the city, and their food is the freshest of any restaurant in the city. You'll hear why. I also probably will be there because I'm there quite a lot, and I really like the place, okay? I go to the same places a lot. I know what I like, and Divya's Kitchen is one of those places. I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. As always, if you like this podcast, share it with a friend. Let's be friends on all of the social media. I'm at Katie Dalebow everywhere. And leave a review if you haven't already. It helps out the show a ton. And I'll talk to you guys at the end of the episode. Bye. This makes me so happy. I love this place so much. And I love this person. And I'm so happy. And I'm sorry that your husband couldn't be here. But we'll have to do a second one with him as well. And not to tell everyone your business, but Divya sprained her ankle last night and she's here and she's such a trooper and is having a party at her <laughs> space. So thank you again for coming and, and all of you for waking up. I mean, I, I barely wanted to come. So thank <laughs> you so much for coming because getting up on a Saturday morning and getting here and driving in at 6 a.m., I'm just really honored and grateful. And this is my favorite thing I do, my favorite thing I've ever done. Literally this. I, I've started this podcast in 2013 from my apartment in Michigan. We were just talking about the Midwest. And it was just me talking to people on Skype, which was great. And I got to learn a lot and talk to really great people. But since I've been in New York, I've been doing these in person with this little recorder that I take all around the city. And that is so much better. But what's even better is when I get to not only just you and I sitting in a room, which is what we were going to do, which would have been great, but inviting a few other people to come and listen in and drink tea with us takes it to the next level. So thank you so much. And I want to leave time for questions after this as much as we can. But I have a lot of questions myself. So next week is the 200th episode of my podcast, which is crazy and and super cool. And it's actually, guess what the, the topic is? I have no idea. Ayurveda. 
Oh. Hello. Okay, so happy birthday. Not to put you on blast, but this is my friend Laura and her husband Anthony. And Hi. Laura Hi. is one of my best friends in the world. And she's also, little known fact, the handwriting you see on the album cover. Has anyone seen the album cover of this podcast? Yeah? Give it up for the album cover of this podcast. <laughs> it's and my book right there. See where it says let it out? That's her handwriting. She's the let it out designer. So, and it's her birthday. So let's all like give a round of applause for Laura and her birthday. And coming to this and waking up on her birthday, that is like she wins all the awards for best friend. <laughs> anyway, so we were just, you you didn't miss anything. I was just talking about how much I, you know, how excited, all the things I say on repeat, how excited I am and how grateful I am. So you didn't miss anything. But what I was saying was that next week is the 200th episode of the podcast and the topic is Ayurveda. It's actually someone I think you know, but she wrote The Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda. Oh yeah, she is in town? She's not in town, but she was and I re- she's in L.A., and her episode comes out next week. That's great. So I was just listening to it, and I was so it made me even more excited to speak to you and Laura, who I just mentioned, my my good friend, and her husband took your class recently and just raved about you. And so I have so many questions. I have copious notes that Danica printed out for me, <laughs> and we're here in this dreamy space, which I love. And maybe we can start there. So that's something that drew me in, like I mentioned before, the thing that got me to come in here in the first place was I walked by, I didn't know it was an Ayurvedic restaurant. I just saw on the sandwich board that you mentioned that the chairs were super comfortable. Do you remember what the words were? Like super comfy chairs. Amazing chairs. Yeah. Which I thought was the goofiest and like so (laughs) lovely because usually people talk about how great their food is or I don't know, never about the chairs. And then I came in and tested the chairs and they are indeed very comfortable. I wanted to be wheeled out in them, like I said. So... That's one thing that everyone was commenting on being in this space is that while the food is a really prominent thing, also the space and the aesthetics, you feel like you're in West Elm meets anthropology meets a really calm yoga studio meets someone's kitchen and being in someone's home. How was that a decision that you made? I know you're someone who really thinks of aesthetics and have you always been that way? Yes. Well, my husband is really the main aesthetic behind the space but when when we first began to conceive Divas Kitchen um, we wanted people to feel at home away from home yeah we wanted to create a very home-like experience because home relaxes us home we feel nourished and nurtured at home so that's what we wanted for people to experience when they come to eat here to forget that you're in New York City kind of let go of the stress and have a very nourishing meal that keeps you feel satisfied and well even days after you've eaten here. So we want you to feel at home here. <laughs> well, I think I'll speak for myself, but I do feel at home. I feel like I'm in, in my own living room. And that's what we need here is like a little oasis because we're constantly moving so fast. And the last thing we want when we come in to dinner or brunch is to feel the chaotic energy of a restaurant and you really just feel taken care of and nourished which I think is your goal yeah well well done okay so let's let's take a step back and start from the beginning as I mentioned my friend Laura told me that you have a very interesting story and you to finding yoga and Ayurveda 
and you grew up in a communist country where yoga and any spiritual practice was outlawed. So how did you discover yoga and Ayurveda? I was, uh, well, I was 18 years old. I was a teenager and I was a rebellion. And my rebellion, you know, we try to be different from everybody else in the world. Uh, my rebellion was that I decided to be a yogi. I was just very drawn to, it was just so different. And there were no yoga studios in Bulgaria the way we have them here. And um, everything spiritual was forbidden. We were not allowed to go to church. <laughs> so um, I was on crossroads in my life. I'm sure all of, of you have experienced this. When you feel that I cannot live like this anymore. Something has to change. I need a shift in my yeah. life. So I was feeling like that. And I was just praying and hoping to experience a shift and I, wa I was walking down the street and I met a person who was running an underground yoga ashram in my town and I yeah, yeah this is so cool <laughs> I went to check it out I was in for anything forbidden <laughs> so um, I absolutely loved the yoga class but unlike classes here they served a full feast of Indian vegetarian food at the end which I've never experienced before And I was already trying to be a vegetarian because I read that yogis in general vegetarian for ethical reasons, for health reasons. And my parents went really crazy. It's like, you're crazy. It, how can you be a vegetarian? You'll get really sick. Yeah, being vegetarian was not part of the culture in Bulgaria at that time. So, um, and I... I loved the food. I was blown away. The textures, the colors, the flavors of the food, and so tasty. So I became an intern at the yoga ashram, and my first job was to wash pots and uh, chop vegetables. <laughs> and that's how I fell in love with food and cooking. And at the same time, I started my yoga journey. So It's so interesting. It's so fascinating that... <clears throat> I was listening to something, another podcast earlier this week about how, I think it was someone from India who was talking about yoga and the rise in popularity of yoga and how in their culture, just like how, you know, Christianity or, or things that are more mainstream you can and you grow up with, you kind of almost have this weird relationship with where it's like oh it's so uncool because it's what I grew up with and people who grew up with yoga and with these sorts of spiritual principles kind of have that same relationship with it and then they watch people in the western world getting into it and it's kind of almost this weird dichotomy of what isn't cool what's different is cool to you when you're younger, yeah. which I think we kind of see over and over again, which is so fascinating that that's how you found fell into something that you love so much and have devoted your life to. Yeah, I often meet young Indian people who tell me, you're more Indian than I am. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know more about my culture and heritage than I know. And yeah. I'm like, well... <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating. So the <clears throat> what was the food and the lifestyle that you grew up with what was your childhood like and how did your dear brothers and sisters and how did your parents feel about you getting into something that was so different than how you grew up I have a younger sister and I grew up actually I had a very happy childhood we 
part of the culture at that time was to cook at home. So my father was the main cook, and um, we had freshly cooked meals every single day, which really inspired me. Uh, and then the we also part of the culture was to grow your own food, and my parents especially they love gardening. So we had a garden for oh, many great. years, and it's just part of my childhood memories in the summer, growing all kinds of vegetables, and then preserving them at home, making all kinds of sauces and jams and <laughs> things like that for the winter. So um, it was, um, and also my grandparents, they had a dairy farm. So I felt very connected to the animals and experienced also a lot of, my grandmother would bake fresh bread every day and make all these amazing cheeses and dairy products with fresh milk. So I had a really good yeah. home-like food, home-cooked memory. Yeah. Did your mom cook too or mostly yes, your Yes, sometimes. But it's just my, my dad is just passionate about food. That's so cool. <laughs> That's really cool. So the one thing about, and I want to, like I said, the, the episode number 200, if you're listening to this, and if you're here, comes out next week, but number 200, if you're listening to this, we're going to go all into Ayurveda and with the guest on that episode. And unfortunately, we don't have so much time today, but I do want you to start by defining it. And something that I learned from listening to you on another podcast when I was preparing for this is that, which I thought was really interesting, is that Ayurvedic food doesn't necessarily... The flavor, flavors-wise and cuisine-wise, people think of it as Indian, but it doesn't necessarily have to be Indian food. You can apply the Ayurvedic principles to whatever type of cuisine you're eating, Bulgarian food or whatever is most comforting to you. So can you, I'd love you to expand on that and then also start by defining Ayurveda for everyone here. Mm. Ayurveda is the ancient healing science of India that teaches us how to maintain balance through diet, routine, and the environment around us. So the the food we eat, our lifestyle, uh, the work we do, the exercise we do, how much we sleep, how much we rest, uh, or how much vacation we take from work, all that, it affects our routine. And then the environment also includes relationships with others, and of course, where we live. So um, Ayurveda teaches us how to maintain balance in all these areas. And my passion is food. But all the three are connected. Like if you feel like, oh, I'm not feeling well, I want to get more healthy, I want to pay attention to my health, then you have to address all these three factors. You cannot just isolate diet and study diet without the lifestyle of the person and without considering where they live. Uh, And also, but if you want to start somewhere on a health journey, then start with your diet because that's the easiest thing to change. Like, because you have control over what you put in your mouth. Sometimes we pushed into a lifestyle because of work or family situation, we cannot make quick changes. It's difficult to change the environment. I've been trying to get out of New York City for a while. (laughs) It's hard. (laughs) So, but uh, what we eat, we have control over this every single day. So, and this also, the food we eat creates, it changes our chemistry. It changes the chemistry in our body. It, It also, the food we eat affects our mind. 
it clears if we eat good healthy fresh food it actually creates more mental clarity to then help us make the best decisions of our lifestyle and our environment so yeah something i thought was fascinating that i heard you mention is that eating fresh food is super important and i know i love a good leftover as much as the next guy like to get a doggy bag but but you said that that can actually be a bit damaging in an Arabic, from an Arabic perspective. Uh, yes. Well, I, yesterday I taught a cooking class, uh, Ayurvedic workshop, and when I mentioned to people that that okay. the um, <coughs> leftovers are your worst enemy, she's like, no. <laughs> it's very shocking, especially because American culture is very much based on leftovers and. Especially around holidays, we hear on social media about all the clever ways you can yeah. deal with leftovers. But you have to understand the the science behind food and eating is that the biggest the gap is between the time you prepare the food and the time you eat it. The biggest the time gap is the harder that food becomes to digest. So first of all, there will be less energy. In Ayurveda, it's called prana. Prana is the life force. There will be less energy that food will give you. And then it will be harder to digest, which means it will make you more tired. And which leads also to gaining weight and all these things. So believe it or not, um, we gain weight around the holidays from eating more leftovers Mm. than the actual holiday meal. (laughs) So I don't mean to discourage you, but there are ways to... Um, to prepare fresh meals like on on Sunday instead of cooking for the whole week you could prep for the whole week you can prepare your staples you can prepare your almond milk and if you make fresh cheese you can make that if you make your spice blends you can chop all your vegetables and then cooking this shortens the cooking time every day so it's much faster that way but you feel a lot more energy if you incorporate more fresh fresh meals into your diet. A lot more energy. Even if you don't change anything else in your diet, just incorporate more fresh meals. Yeah. I guarantee you feel better. Yeah, it's good to just know that. And like, it's not something you can do every day. You know, you might want to have leftovers, and and that's that's fine. But it's good to just have this information, and and know that might be, you know, why something's making you feel that way. And I didn't answer your question about yeah. the flavors. So, oh, um, yeah. So, yes, Ayurvedic... Uh, see, Ayurveda is a universal science. It originated in what's today India. At the time when the texts were written, India as a country did not exist yet. Uh, but um, it, Ayurvedic food does not have to be all Indian flavors. Because uh, as a universal science, you can ap- apply the principles anywhere in the world. So my passion is to show how to apply those principles to any kind of cuisine. Because I didn't grow up with Indian food. It was, it, it was foreign to me. And a lot of people, like you go to Italy or... In America it's a little easier, especially in New York, because we're just such a mix of cultures. But a lot of people over the world are not familiar so much with Indian ingredients and vegetables. But the universal principles of selecting the right ingredients for you and then combining them properly for digestion and then preparing them in cooking methods that support uh, the nutrition of the food, you can apply that to any kind of cuisine. And that's why we will see in my cookbook I have lasagna <laughs> and I have risotto 
and I have a, an Asian style dish and I have a French style dish but they all the principles of Ayurvedic cooking apply to the recipes I love that the maybe the most interesting thing when I from this last podcast episode I keep talking about which was really my introduction to to this sort of thing in Ayurveda was she talked to me about and I know this is something that that you've spoken about before as well how Ayurveda is something that yes it helps us feel better and it's connected to our food but what its real purpose is is to get us more connected to our living our purpose in the world Mm -hmm. so how does Ayurveda help with that and how has it helped you with that well there are many goals of Ayurveda and you can start with a simple goal and then you can go deeper if, if you feel like. One of the deeper goals is to help us align with our nature. So each one is an individual being unique with our own nature. So how to align with who we are, not just with your body type and your mind, but also your soul. But So how to align with who we are and how to connect this to, to divine nature. So it's um we cannot we cannot um transcend before we connect with who we are and and know and align with that so once we align that then all the choices you make about food you know what to eat becomes um your food becomes a companion on your journey to do what you're meant to do so who you are and what you're meant to do in this life um can be totally supported by your food and your lifestyle and your environment you just it, it's a, it's a question of alignment yeah so we haven't when i think of ayurveda before today i usually think of the three doshas mm-hmm. and we haven't um mentioned those yet how how important are the the doshas can you talk about what they are and what is what are things that you know regardless of you know, where someone falls in the three categories, what are some principles that kind of everyone can take away from it? Well, doshi is a Sanskrit word for those of you who don't know. Doshi literally means weakness or fault. And um, doshi is a term in Ayurveda to determine the different energies in our body. So Ayurveda explains that everything in this world, the physical world, is made of the five elements. And this is space, air, fire, water, and earth. So these five elements also manifest in our body in different ways, like air governs circulation and the movement of the mind. All possible movement is governed by air. The fire governs digestion, metabolism, transformation, and water are the fluids in the body, and earth are the, the structure of the body, the bones, the muscles, the fat, like that. So the combination of space and air in Ayurveda is called vata. <laughs> Think about the qualities of air and space. Um, are they cold or hot? They are cold. Mm-hmm. Light or heavy? Light. Light, so cold, light, dry, or moist? Dry. So cold, light, dry. These are qualities of vata, vata, vata dosha. And um, they, when, when vata is high in our body or mind, we experience these qualities. Like if you have those cold, cold hands and feet or you just don't tolerate cold so well, um, then your vata is probably high. Or if you have drier skin 
or dry sense of humor, or <laughs> 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 lightness in your character, or lightness in your body structure. These are just vata characteristics. So vata dosha, and then um, a pitta, uh, uh, the combination of fire and water is called pitta. In Ayurveda, so the pitta energy governs digestion, not just digestion uh, in the stomach, but also mental digestion, how we assimilate our what we experienced in life. And then um, it governs digestion, transformation. It also governs the ability of our mind and intelligence to envision, to see, to understand, to learn. And then... Uh, the combination of water and earth are called kapha, kapha dosha. And it governs the structure of the body, it governs the growth, it governs nourishment and sustenance. So um, somebody with, of a kapha body structure is, will be heavier because water and earth are heavy elements. So um, they're a lot more grounded compared to the airy vata. So it, I love thinking about the doshas because it helps me realize and appreciate how everybody is different yeah. and um, it's everybody's nature and there is no wrong with nature Na- nature is always perfect so um, don't think oh wow I'm too skinny or I'm too fat or I'm too fiery, my skin is too red it's just part of your nature and Ayurveda helps us to just keep that balance according to our nature <coughs> So it it also helps me um, be less judgmental, you know, because it's like, oh, wow, this is your nature. Mm. Instead of, oh, wow, you're so intense. Yeah, fiery people are intense people. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I think that's why I connect with this eating strategy, because it's not a diet. I I like this so much because it honors body diversity and bio-individuality, and it honors that that exists, where that's why diets, I think they really forget that and or just don't acknowledge that and, and assume that we all are the same and it's so beautiful like looking around this room that like we all are different and thank goodness because life would be so boring if we all looked the same <laughs> and I love that that Ayurveda honors that so but one thing I want yeah. to add is it's not just eat, eating according to your dosha because you may have one nature but all of us experience imbalances so Ayurveda actually recommend to adjust our lifestyle and our diet according to work on the imbalance. So um, that's why I always recommend to people not to just eat according to your dosha, but eat according to your digestion. So there are different types of digestion. There is more airy digestion, there is fiery digestion, there is earthy, sluggish digestion, and then there is perfect digestion. <laughs> so so um, you may have a very kapha like very earthy body and like if I don't know much I would say oh wow you have very sluggish digestion but no you may have very kapha earthy body and experience airy digestion then you have to eat the foods that will actually balance that so that you don't have the discomfort so that's why my cookbook is also it's the recipe is arranged according to season it teaches you how to cook seasonally but adjust each recipe according to your digestion, according to how you feel right, how you're feeling right now. Because sometimes you get an acid acidity, and sometimes you don't. If you get acidity, this is what you can do to mitigate that. And if you feel very airy that day, then this is what you can do. 
So depending on how you feel every day, you can always adjust the food. I love that. I, I have one more question regarding the food in Ayurveda, and I want to circle back to your story because I think we left a huge gap of like you were growing up and you found yoga, and then all of a sudden you are like this famous Ayurvedic author and <laughs> chef and have a restaurant. So I want to get back into that. But one thing I thought was really interesting is that you don't use any onion or garlic in your cooking. Can you discuss why? I thought this was super interesting. I think if um, a lot of my colleagues, chefs from restaurants, they will say, you're crazy, this is bogus. It's like, um, but their reasons in... in I actually start, stopped cooking with onions and garlic at the yoga ashram because at, uh, traditional yoga and also Zen Buddhism as well, like people who meditate... Uh, in meditation traditions, onions and garlic um, recommended to be used only for medicinal purposes, but not for daily use, because they're very stimulating foods, they're very intense, very fiery, very hot foods, and um, they overstimulate the mind. So if you want to calm down your mind and meditate and focus like that, onions and garlic goes against that. So that's one reason. Um, and later on, I learned from my studies of Ayurveda how uh, especially garlic is also natural antibiotic. So, And when eaten raw, especially, it can deplete friendly bacteria in the gut, which we really need. And a lot of us are kind of deficient nowadays of that, so that's also another reason. So, But uh, it can be totally used as medicine uh, whenever you need it, but not for daily use. And there are ways to replace the flavor like um, there is a spice called asafoetida which mm. I don't use a lot but it's it has a very sulfur sulfury flavor that um, alliums like onions and garlic have and uh, you can bring that flavor through the spice if you really need it but uh, we usually don't pay, don't tell people welcome to Divya's kitchen we, we cook without onions yeah, and garlic you would never know from your um, it's a uh, because our food is very flavorful. So. Very. But also there are, uh, in Italy even, there was, I don't know if it's still there, but years ago there was a whole movement about garlic-free dining. Mm. Um, because on the other side also, garlic and onions, the flav- it, they kind of overpower the flavor of the other ingredients. So um, some chefs avoid cooking with them just because of that, to bring out a lot of the other subtle flavors of food and spices. It's so true. I, I didn't know that fact, but I've been avoiding garlic because I don't like the taste of it, and it, it makes my stomach feel weird. And I so I've been kind of avoid. I mean, it's challenging to avoid, but I've been avoiding it when I can. And I was here one of the first times I came in, and I mentioned, I was like, oh, is there is there garlic in that? Cause can I get it without? And they're like, we don't use any garlic in any of our recipes here. And I was like, oh, this is definitely my place. Not just the comfy chairs. I love it here. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting. Maybe like on an intuitive level, I knew that or something. And I think also in this, in this interview you did previously, you talked about eggplant and some other things that also are avoided in, in Ayurveda. Yeah, well, in the traditional Ayurveda, see, I'm trained in Shakavansya Ayurveda. It's a very old lineage of Ayurvedic tradition that has been preserved through the centuries, even during the Mughal time where a lot of the original texts were destroyed. So um, the traditional Ayurveda I'm trained in is probably a little stricter than you than the, the modern mainstream. mainstream Ayurveda, which is 
tend to be a little too relaxed sometimes. But it doesn't mean that it's, uh, uh, the tradition I follow is rigid. It, there is always a reason behind. So in um, the Shakavansi Ayurveda, we also avoid the use of nightshades. Nightshades is a group of um, plants, not just vegetables, and the most famous ones are potatoes, tomatoes, eggplants, and peppers. And if you've ever been in touch with microbiotic cooking, these vegetables are not used in microbiotic cooking as well because they're well known to be inflammatory. They, they, they perpetuate inflammation in the body. And nowadays we have an epidemic of inflammatory diseases. Almost every person has some kind of slow cooking inflammation going on. So uh, just to minimize that, it's not that these vegetables are bad, um, but just to minimize, minimize inflammation, we avoid cooking with them. So these are very cheap vegetables and every restaurant uses them, but we don't cook with them. We use a vegetable called taro root, T-A-R-O, which is a substitute for potato and it's very uh, tasty. It's even tastier than potato and it's also very healing the body so and then we uh, in my cookbook and also here we served a, a special raisin cranberry sauce which looks and tastes almost like a tomato sauce but it's not so we we make little adjustments like that just to so you're not you're not missing out on the taste very cool and not to say that you know you can never eat those foods again like that's fine but it's just interesting to have information and know that when you're here they're they're avoided because can potentially help you feel better maybe not making them the staple of your your diet yeah I would say if you struggle with some kind of inflammation and I know because for what and this will we'll come back to the story but for many years I struggled with an autoimmune disease which in, involves chronic inflammation and I know what it feels like to be in pain I know what it feels like to be always tired um, and I know what it feels like to not know what to eat <laughs> To feel better because you try all, all these, you try to eat and you always get some kind of reaction. So um, if you're struggling with something like that, just try avoiding inflammatory foods and maybe you'll feel better. Yeah, at least for a period of time. Yeah. So take us back there, and you mentioned wanting to to leave New York City. So how did you come to New York? I know we figured out when we gave each other our numbers that we have a Michigan connection. So I want to <laughs> hear about that and how you met your husband. And so you're that girl doing yoga in the ashram, washing the pots and pans, learning about cooking. And then when did you start to get sick? And then how did you come to America? Well, first of all, after that, I went to India and I lived there for five years. I studied there. And this is when I experienced my biggest illness for the first time. I, I was a little bit too transcendental I think <laughs> I thought I was transcendental so I was drinking water from the river Ganges without doing it without purifying it or anything so I developed a severe amoebic infection that Ooh. almost shut down my digestion like I couldn't eat anything I was so nice. emaciated and very weak ended up in a hospital in Bombay on Mumbai and um at the Bhaktivedanta Hospital there. And we tried the regular allopathic treatment, but there was no big effect. So the doctor said, we have an Ayurvedic clinic right here at the hospital, and let's try this treatment. It's natural without side effects. 
and it involves food and it was I didn't know what to eat because I could hardly eat anything so um, the Ayurvedic doctor first read my pulse and he gave he told me okay these foods are really good for you focus on eating these foods They'll, you can digest them, they'll help you feel, uh, he heal faster. And these are the foods you have to stay away from. They're good foods, but they're not the right foods for you right now. And for the first time, I experienced how to use food as medicine wow. that way. So he, this doctor is in the actual hospital? Yeah, they, I mean, this is very common. Just like when you go to China, you have acupuncture everywhere. Wow. You, um, in India, Ayurvedic clinics are just very prominent wow. everywhere. So Because it's their so traditional cool. medicine. Right. So um, so I kind of got both the best of both worlds at, at the hospital. I stayed there for a whole month. Yeah. And um, I gradually began to feel better. And I was so impressed by how um, um, it was not just the medicine, it was the food and how, what an effect it had on me. Then I started to study at that time. How old were you about? I was um, in my... I was probably 29 or 30. Okay. Yeah, at that time. So you're young and you're, you know, you get really sick and at this time, is that when you knew you wanted to make this your profession and your career? Did you know you wanted to cook more? I, I well, I already, f I was in love with cooking because at the ashram I was trained to be, later on I got trained as the main cook and I cooked for a lot of people for years, but what f I fell in love with food as medicine uh, in my contact with Ayurveda. Yeah. And it, especially I'm passionate about learning about the healing properties of each ingredient and how it interacts with different body types and different seasons and things like that. And then how to, uh, and also the synergistic properties. <clears throat> when you have two great herbs, when you combine them together, they do even more for you. So I just it's just my second nature. I cannot yeah. not do that. Yeah. I just love studying. These. So funny how something so terrible at the time can launch you into this new knowledge of food is healing and having that experience brought you, you know, basically here. So then when did you meet your husband and when did you come to America and come to New York? I came to the States about, um, what was it, 14 years ago. And I came here for work, actually, and then I met my husband. What were you doing through work? I, I actually, I was called to be an administrative assistant for a project. And then in the meantime, um, I met my husband, and he he's from Ann Arbor, Michigan. That's why we have that number. Yeah. I keep it because the number is very easy to remember. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> so, great. <laughs> so... Um, I was in here and I was like, of course you're from Michigan. I love it here. And I'm like, of course I like you guys so much. <laughs> um, when I was in India, I was also trained as an educator. <clears throat> I did a lot of teacher's training as well. Because I always felt that the best way for me to learn is to share knowledge with others. And um, so both my husband and I are passionate about education. And we were both meditators and we're both like very similar paths. So uh, when we got married, we decided to start a school, um, a nonprofit organization called Bhagavat Life. So our first projects were related to meditation retreats. 
and we would just rent retreat centers all over the country and people would come sometimes 100 people would come <laughs> it's like but big part of it was also organizing the food so i would create the menus and work with all the cooks to um, provide food that's suitable that supports meditation during the three or five day retreats and and then the economy broke <laughs> in 2008 eight, nine, and um and then people didn't come so much. So we kind of shifted our... We were invited by the director of the Bhakti Center here to offer educational programs here. And this is how I started teaching cooking classes about nine years ago uh, here on the fifth floor. And uh, it started as a very simple cooking class. And it gradually expanded... Um, into three levels, um, like introductory class, level two seasonal hands-on classes, and level three is a 250-hour Ayurvedic uh, nutrition and culinary training that I developed, and we've been teaching it for two years. We're starting another uh, training in January. So this is like a professional chef's program for based on Ayurveda, and it's vegetarian and vegan-friendly. So so, cool. so when you moved here, so your husband is from Ann Arbor. Did you come to New York? Or did you come to Michigan? How did you How did you guys meet? Well, we met. Um, we have the same spiritual mentor. Okay. And we met. He unfortunately he um, uh, he passed away from cancer. Mm. So we were both there during his departure, the time of departure, and that's how how we met in New York. In, no, this was on a farm in Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. Cool. <laughs> so, uh, so you guys met, and then is that when you were teaching the retreats, and then how did you decide to, to come to New York? No, we met, and then once we decided that we were getting married, then we started our school very soon after we got married. This okay. is like a, our offering to the world. Yeah, that's cool. So what does having a, a restaurant and being in this space, when did you have the idea, you're, you're teaching upstairs, when did you, did you have the idea for creating a restaurant in New York City? Um, well, first of all, over the years, people would come to cooking classes and then we'll sit down and eat because every cooking class involves a full meal. And people say, wow, this food is so tasty, it feels so good, where can I eat like this? And we're like, well, here. <laughs> You know, Nowhere else. There was no such place uh, that really offers um, um, like pure Ayurvedic food. And then um, it, we came to a point when we started discussing with the landlord that we have to exit the building because our cooking classes really grew. We've had oh, so many thousands of people coming every year. And um, we needed a bigger kitchen and bigger space. So we started the conversation about exiting the building and the landlord said well this space is opening up do you want to take over and start the first authentic ayurvedic restaurant in the city we're like okay we think you're we're ready for that yeah. so it happened a year ago that's so congratulations it's so cool and it's beautiful in here so upstairs is the bhakti center which is also a yoga studio my good friend sasha friend of the podcast who's been on the show a million times took me years ago when I would, I would always stay in this neighborhood and then my friend and also friend of the podcast Jenny Sansusi was telling me that 
her and Gabby Bernstein, also friend of the podcast, used to rent space from you up there. And I told her I was coming to. She's like, oh, we love Debbie. So it's so... I love Gabby. This place has become such a, a known, lovely place. And then to have upstairs and then to have here now become this is, is really beautiful because I know it's been other things over and over. And now to have such a, like grounded beautiful space in here must feel really good so what has the experience been like for you being the face of this and seeing people come in and new people interacting with the food and people have been you know part of the community for years what has that been like for you it's been a very rewarding experience I was a little scared because we've never done a restaurant before um, but we have really good uh, business partners and mentors that help us with the business side of it because Doing a restaurant is not just being a great cook and having great recipes and great food. It's just so much more than that. But it's been a great learning experience to me. And um, and I owe every all the success here to my husband and our partners because it's just it would have been impossible without having a teamwork. Yeah. And um, I just love love meeting people and yes. love creating new dishes. I love uh, observing the experience, the first time experience with uh, our food. I love answering questions. And um, it's also, we've been very well received by the media and all that. And just last week, we, we received a phone call from New York Magazine that we won the Reader's Choice Award for Best Vegan Restaurant in New York City for oh 2017. Oh my God, <laughs> And I was like, what? Congrats, that's amazing. But, um, yeah, that was, that was a surprise to us, but thanks to all of our guests who, who voted for us. Yeah. So um, it, it's very rewarding for me to see that this kind of unusual food, you know, and onions and garlic and this and that. Right. But at the same time, you don't feel limited when you eat here. Yeah. So, oh, that's very grateful. For well that. deserved. And, and so, it, and it really does, as beautiful as it is in here and the food is amazing, it really does feel like a neighborhood place. Like there are nights when I'll be walking home and not even eating here, but I see Prentice and we just wave and have a moment together. <laughs> and it's, it's like, feels so lovely. And that's the energy of the space. And whether you're actually out here or not, you can feel that here, which I think is rare. And you, you've done such a great job to make that felt by by mm. everyone. Thank you. Yeah, for us, the this is a very for us. This is more than a business. Yeah, it's a, the personal interaction with our guests and 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 paying personal attention and care. It's very important to us because it's it's very personal. You know, we it, it's um, this is. N- not just a business is like part of our life journey yeah. and uh, we like to share it with others and also we like to in the way on the way we also like to benefit others with whatever yeah. we do so creating a personal relationships is very important to yeah. us yeah so. I love that okay well I want to ask you the questions I ask everyone on the show so we'll do these more as as quick fire-esque I'll okay. just say kind of the first thing that comes to mind so what's your favorite part of owning a restaurant it's um, it's interacting with people, not just the guests, but also the staff and 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 the vendors, and it it brings probably the best, sometimes the worst out of me, but it also helps me work on that as well. Yeah. 
What advice would you have for someone who wants to open a restaurant or start something that is out of their wheelhouse? Well, first of all, create a support team and uh, really spend a lot of time planning and, and make sure that you really, really understand all the difficulties and not just the great parts, but also all the challenges and make sure that you're ready to do that. Yeah, that's great advice. Okay, what is the best thing you've eaten in the last week? Oh, <laughs> it's really hard for me to say. Um, well, yesterday we had um, this carrot risotto was exceptionally good. And we, we had it from the restaurant in the cooking class. And I eat this frequently, but yesterday it was especially good. Oh, I so love that. It still lingers as a memory in my, my mouth. <laughs> what are some of your favorite items on the menu? And let's start with brunch, because everyone here is wanting me to wrap up so we can get to brunch. <laughs> so what are some of your favorite items on the brunch menu? I really like the vegetable pancakes. It's a recipe I actually created when I cooked for Deepak Chopra once. Oh, name um, drop. <laughs> and they're, uh, well, it's just, he told me it really reminded me of his wife's cooking, which was a great compliment. <laughs> but um, these are pancakes that are very high in protein, gluten-free, uh, and they come with uh, sautéed leafy greens, and they're very nourishing, but you really don't feel heavy afterwards. It's it's like a, a spin of an Indian dosa with vegetables. Yeah. So, and we also love I love the wa waffles on the brunch menu. I was thinking about getting that. There, it's very hard to get gluten-free uh, waffles without eggs, and we have a great recipe that was developed by one of my graduates from the culinary training. Oh, cool! Very cool. What about in your book? What are some of your favorite recipes from your book? Um, my book is... It's actually a lot of favorite recipes. Let me see. Um, I really uh, like the red velvet soup in this season. It's a red lentil and beet soup. That's very nourishing and very warming and grounding. It's very flavorful, too. Uh, one recipe that I make almost every day, and that's the simplest recipe, like if you like to start small in cooking, start with this recipe, is the cooked apple pre-breakfast, which can really create a revolutionary transformation for your digestion. Very simple, it's just a cooked apple with a couple of cloves first thing in the morning. And it has a profound effect on the body, and people always, they email me, they write on my blog, it's like, wow, this apple. <laughs> wow. So... Simple, sometimes the most profound transformation happens from simple changes. So. Yeah, that sounds delicious. I eat a raw green apple every morning, like first thing in the morning. And I think I should be cooking it, especially this time of year. I feel like that would feel much better for yeah. me. Yeah, we'll Let's talk about that further. <laughs> yeah. Okay, what is one, other than the things that we've been talking about, one principle of Ayurvedic that everyone here and everyone listening other than the leftovers thing could take with them today that that could be helpful either related to food or wherever i would say start start by listening to your body just develop a habit of calming down sitting for a quiet moment and listening to your needs what do you need right now because with food and everything else we sometimes go on an autopilot we just eat the same breakfast every day and the same. we do the same things every day. 
but our needs change and we have to adjust uh, our foods and everything else we do according to our needs so by again aligning with yourself connecting with yourself and then um, asking what do I what are my need what do I need right now what food do I need what, where do I need to be right now then the answer will come and it, it you'll feel better that way mm -hmm. so then from there it's much easier to make any other any other decision yeah well said okay so I always ask this question because I think it really gives an insight to someone's life so what are your morning routines maybe the first three things you do when you wake up in the morning and how those affect how the rest of your day goes um, well the first thing is I I wash my face so there is and that's something also you can try is you can um, fill your mouth with cold water and splash your face with cold water mm. it reduces puffiness also but it really wakes you up cool so um, it also releases any tension in the eyes your beautiful skin oh <laughs> but um, uh, so I would just do my washing and then and then I usually cook the apple I would also have different type of tea depending on what I need in the morning so and then I will get ready for a morning meditation and what type of meditation do you do first I do a little bit of breathing it just helps me I have a lot of vata that I have to constantly <laughs> balance um, like deep breathing and then I usually do mantra meditation um, I also like to sit quietly especially if the sun is up and I like to be I like to have sun time every day yeah and my so by the window oh I go to the rooftop we have oh, a rooftop cool. I just I live upstairs too <laughs> I go up to the roof deck and whenever my time allows but basically like having a little bit of quiet time for myself before I start taking care of my husband and everything else yeah and restaurant and emails and yeah <laughs> It just helps me um, stay grounded for the day because my 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 day can get really intense, both physical work and also um, just troubleshooting and dealing with people all the time. So yeah. you have a lot on your literal plate and figuratively. Do you in the evening, as a chef and being here in the restaurant? But I always ask this question on the other side of the day too. What are how do you shut down? de-stress at the end of the day what are maybe the last few things you do before going to sleep it's hard because we close at 10 o'clock by the time we clean up it, it takes it's 11 then I have to place orders <laughs> and, and all these other things for the next day um, so that's a big challenge for me going to bed late because uh, Ayurveda recommends to be in bed by 10 o'clock um, just to go with the circadian rhythm of nature so that's really hard for me, but I have to do it. I'm usually pretty tired at night by that time, so I go to sleep. Of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah, that's a lot. What is your greatest lesson on relationships? My greatest lesson on relationship was I learned from my father-in-law on our wedding day. <laughs> And I'll never forget it. He told us to always put the relationship ahead of the problem. Mm. 
No, challenges, there are always challenges in relationships, always problems. But he has, when you have a conflict, when you have a conflict or any kind of problem, always put the relationship first. That's so a really good one. My husband and I, not just between ourselves, but also with other people, when there is a problem, we are, and it's so easy to just jump into the problem. Yeah. But we're like, okay, let's think about the person first. Yeah. Oh, I love that. What about working with your spouse and being in a relationship with someone that you're, you know, co-founders and co-owners of this restaurant? How do you guys balance that and turn off, you know, talking about work and just being together in the relationship? How does that work? Uh, well, in the beginning, it was a big learning experience <laughs> because it, it's difficult to to kind of separate from the personal relationship. It's like, okay, we're having a business meeting right now. Right. <laughs> we're business partners right now. But we've, we've gone a long way. And my husband, Prentice, is really my best friend and mentor and um, everything else. He's a very wise person. And it's, it is challenging sometimes to... To, to, to kind of take away the intimacy of being just really casual with each other and just have a very serious business meeting. Yeah. But we've managed so far. <laughs> no, I think you guys are doing great. You make it look easy. So what is um, your greatest lesson on spirituality, God, what do you think happens when we die, all of that? Big question. Well, spirituality is a very big part of my yoga practice as well. Um, What helps me is to um, think of myself more than the body. So because the body gets old and it gets sick, it's inevitable. (laughs) But um, to not identify with the body and to think uh, of myself as a soul that's eternal and it's an eternal journey and just to see my, my life like this life is an episode of a larger journey. It just helps me also be more detached when difficulties come and, and to see that everything that happens is a lesson in life. Mm. So, um, yeah, it, it helps a lot. And also to always feel, like I always feel that way because if, if you told me ten, 10 years ago and even five years ago, oh, you have this restaurant and you have a cookbook or... 20 years ago, or 28 years ago, when I first joined the ashram, I didn't speak English. I had no, I never went to wow. school to learn English. Wow. Um, and then I wrote my book. I didn't have a ghostwriter. Yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm, I'm writing a book, and I, I have a restaurant. Like, if you told me these things, even five years ago, I would be like, what? <laughs> I don't know. So I often feel that... Um, there is a bigger force behind me and um, and I just try to be an instrument in service yeah. to others. So that's the other thing about the restaurant. It's not just a business. It's our way to offer service. So Really cool. What do you think happens when we die? Um, well, I, I accept the philosophy of the Bhagavad Gita, which teaches us that the body is like a temporary garment and we drop one garment and we take on another so I, I believe in, in eternal life yeah. after this life cool. so it helps me also see my life in perspective that death is not the end yeah so. yeah I love what you said about looking at the body in that way I think that's a really healthy perspective that we need in our culture right now 
Yeah, and it, 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 when we all may experience health challenges, I, I always receive health challenges as a time for transformation, for personal transformation, and I can definitely say that the biggest illnesses I've experienced in my life helped me grow more as a human being and, and deepen my spiritual connection. But, um, but then the, um, and this is, the end of life is just another transformation. Yeah. So it, it just, and Ayurveda also explains how um, it just develops less fear to be less afraid yeah. in what's coming. <laughs> feel less alone yeah I love that so we talk a lot about feminism on this podcast and being the female owner of a restaurant and your name is literally on the door what does you know being a woman in the world today and how do you act your feminism or how do you you know what are some things you've experienced if, if there's anything and you know how you kind of navigate the world as a woman I've grown grown a lot through <laughs> being a woman. When I was in India, um, it's a very male predominant culture in the sense that women are more subordinate. So, and I'm a natural leader by nature. I don't like to just be quiet if I feel to speak up or if I feel that I can do and offer something. Um, so I really struggled with that for years when I was in India but again then um, growing through this I again not identifying myself as a woman but identifying myself um, as a human being who I don't want to limit my talents and abilities I, just because I'm a woman so I decided for myself I'm just going to live my life <laughs> and and just be the best I can be um, and not and not feel limited uh, because of this identification yeah. It's difficult in the restaurant world. It's it, it's also more male predominant. Um, where you have to know, working in the kitchen ten to twelve hours a day is very hard job, <laughs> and not not every woman has the body to do it. I don't have the body to do it. That's why I've trained the team and I mostly supervise and I create all the recipes and then I train them how to uh, prepare the recipes. But um, sometimes I have to sub and I would. I would just work in the kitchen full time, but I'm, I don't have the stamina to do it. I'm just yeah. totally honest. But um, I, I don't. I'm not like yeah, women should be. I'm not a staunch feminist in the sense that I always believe that everybody should be given equal opportunity. And again, work according to your capacity, like offer according to your capacity. My strength is more in writing and creating new things and training rather than working full-time shifts in the kitchen. And I think that goes back to self-awareness and like having the clarity from your mind and and body to know, you know, this is where the best, what is the best use of me? And for you, it's you know, taking more of a, I think that's something that I, for myself, have tried to figure out, you know, what do, what do I like, what am I good at, and what can I, how can I bring that together to create something good? Yeah, exactly, because this connects us with our purpose in life, and then we feel the fulfillment, and the excitement, and the happiness that we feel by doing what we meant to do, whether you're man or woman. Yeah. So, I feel it's important to, uh, to nurture uh, this kind of culture rather than separate between men and women. Yeah, just to ring, really to support everybody to thrive 
in the best environment and doing the things that are best at. Yes, well said. So what's your favorite part of your life right now? What are you most excited about? Right now, um, well, right now, I've, right now, I had a very intense few past weeks, yeah. so right now it's kind of quiet, and I'm very excited yeah. about that because it, it gives me the space to write and to create more. But um, I'm very excited about what's coming to us next week, next year with, um, with the training and another project related to Ayurvedic cooking, which I cannot share yet on air, but it's super exciting for me. Is there anything that you wish that I would have asked that you really wanted to share? Anything you still need to let out? Um, well, let, let's take some questions. I hope this yeah. was interesting to you. Um, yeah, let's take some questions. I'm, I'm still struggling a little bit with the pain in my legs. So oh, no. I'm, I'm, um, but I hope. Well, you thank did you great. You did amazing. <laughs> I would have never known you're in pain. But also, like, thank you so much for coming and doing this in pain. It's okay. I can't believe it. <laughs> Anybody have any questions for Divya or any questions at all about anything? When's your uh, second restaurant? Oh, uh, it's like asking when is your next baby? Yeah. <laughs> when you have your next baby? Nine months? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, we're open to opening another restaurant, but right now our goal is to make this sustainable and steady. And our standards are so high. We also never offer leftovers here, and it, it's just there's so many things that you don't see in regular restaurants, and sometimes professional chefs tell me, you're crazy. <laughs> um, but again, our focus is offering the most healing food. Uh, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll let you know. We, we'll let you know when it's ready. Maybe one in but we open Michigan. To it. Oh, I don't know. If, we'll see. <laughs> We've been invited to Los Angeles, so Ooh, we'll cool. see. Anybody else? Question? Anything you want to share? Thoughts and feelings? Anybody? Anything related to your own, your own personal relationship with food or something you're always struggling with or something you always wanted to ask about? That you want everyone to hear? We can talk a French, too. <laughs> <laughs> Without my recorder. I guess I have to give away the bag of garlic I just brought. <laughs> no, no, you don't have to. You just have to see, like, also cooking is about understanding each ingredient, not just the flavor of the ingredient, but how it acts in the body and in your particular body, because different body types relate, they react differently to garlic, for example. But, like, the body type that can tolerate the best is kapha, the more earthy type. And the body type that can tolerate garlic the least is the fiery, because garlic is such a fiery food, and somebody who is also very fiery, the love balance is that like increases like. So you add more fire to fire, you just get more fire. Um, we always balance with the opposite. So if you feel very fiery, you need more cooling foods. If you feel very cold, you need more heating foods. So that's the idea. I would say don't give up anything. Just, just understand more about the the um, the nature of different foods and see what resonates best with you right now. Yeah. yeah, and garlic has a lot less reaction if you cook it than if you eat it raw. So, when does food become a leftover? And if you make a pot of soup or if you make a lasagna, it seems 
sort of like there would be leftovers, and what's the time span on fresh food to leftovers? That's a really good question. So Ayurveda gives four-hour time window. So from the time you cook it, preparate. It also depends if you keep it hot, then the time is longer. Like at the restaurant, we keep everything hot. Um, then the time expands, but basically four hours. So my teacher, Vaidya Ramakant Mishra, is my Ayurvedic teacher and my main teacher. And he, he explained also that you can eat for dinner what you cook for lunch, for example. But there are, and there are certain foods that are good leftovers. I call them intelligent leftovers. <laughs> um, there are certain staples and um, a lot of raw foods uh, can be like we make. We used to make this natuna pate in the summer, which is a raw dish, and that's okay for a couple of days. It's just the cooking. The worst leftover is lentils, legumes. So beans and lentils, I know they taste better the next day. <laughs> but uh, it's just the chemical composition, the, the sugars, they ferment, they begin to ferment quickly, even if you refrigerate it. Those lentils will give you a lot more gas and bloating if you eat them the next day. Oh, I guarantee you, just try, experiment with it. You. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I respect I respect everybody. I was just recently at, at um, I was recently at um, um, at um, uh, what do you call it at an event with uh, my friend and uh, multiple award-winning author Karen Page. She wrote the uh, the forward to my book, and we had a she had a panel discussion for, uh, based on her new book called Kitchen Creativity. And there was Chef uh, Daniel Boulud. He was a very famous chef. And um, what was uh, uh, Lior? Uh, um, oh, God, I'm sorry. I f- right now I'm forgetting the names. I'm getting a That's little okay. distracted. But That's Chef okay. Daniel Boulud is just a well-known chef. I remember him. We spoke. We even took pictures together. And he was very intrigued by our restaurant and Ayurvedic approach. And uh, they spoke about their approach to food and kitchen creativity. And I also bought Chef Daniel's book, and I read it in two days. It was just so interesting to me. But um, I, like a lot of the things they were discussing, I don't really apply to my cooking. And there was also a discussion of food is medicine. And some of the chefs, I also went to another event with Amanda Cohen from Dirt Candy and um, Mike... Anthony from Gramercy Tavern, very famous, amazing chefs. But their focus is not using food for healing or food as medicine. They just don't have the training, and there is nothing uh, wrong with it. For me, that's my focus, that's my niche, that's my passion. Because you have to understand different chefs have different approach to food, different... Um, they per- uh, Cooking is a very personal thing. They personalize their dishes and everything. So I have great respect for everybody who is committed to this very hard profession. It's not easy, <laughs> physically, emotionally. Um, but um, even though I may not uh, cook exactly the same way, I, I respect their their passion. 
So I'm sure there's food for everyone. <laughs> Good question. Anybody else? Becca, yeah. I'm curious about the tea behind you, those bags. Yeah. Do you create those blends, and what kind of teas do you drink day-to-day? Yeah, these are actually different. We have teas and spice blends, uh, and they were designed by my Ayurvedic teacher, Vadi Mishra, and they are all um, very traditional. They are like ancient recipes that have been passed down in the Ayurvedic lineage. So uh, there are different teas. We only carry basically things that you can use for cooking because a lot of our students come and use them. Um, we have different teas. Like what I had this morning is, <laughs> this is an Ayurvedic coffee substitute called uh, Vaidya's Cup. It's, um, the base of it is Mukuna. It's a bean that's uh, very rich in antioxidants and it also gives you the good, good feel hormones and the energy. It also has a couple of other things in it. Um, without the crush, so it's like a coffee, the, the energy you get from coffee without the crush afterwards. And it's also very alkalizing, so it's not acidic like coffee. I, I like it, I don't drink coffee, I cannot, I, caf- I cannot tolerate caffeine, it's just my body doesn't like it. Um, we have Tulsi tea, which is very good for your throat and for infections, it's a very powerful antioxidant. Uh, we have Garcinia tea. This is another more unusual tea. Garcinia is a tree, and the fruit is used to support fat and protein metabolism. Nowadays, in the nutritional world, is like the lose weight herb, but it's not just losing weight; it's supporting bal- actually digesting fat and protein. It's very tasty. Um, we have chai, which is very seasonal. There is, um, there is a tea that helps lower blood sugar. For, it's very good, especially for diabetic conditions. Uh, we have Moringa. Moringa is another very powerful nutrition. Uh, uh, it's a tree, and we use the leaves, and it's also very detoxifying. We have a very strong detox tea. <laughs> so, and we also have another tea that's really good for wintertime, especially when you're congested. It just opens you up right away. Gang's all there. I just heard that Moringa Tea, Well and Good just launched their wellness trends for 2018, and Moringa is one of the the trends. Last year it was like matcha or charcoal or whatever it was, and that's one of them. So yeah, I have. Here I speak about Moringa has been known to. Do we have time for this? Yeah, so, Moringa has been known to Ayurveda for thousands of years. It's described in the Sanskrit text. I have a Moringa soup recipe in my book. And the thing is that nowadays is Moringa is kind of paid attention to because of its nutrition. But most people don't know it's a, it's a powerful detoxifier. It can go all the way down, down to the bone marrow and pull chemical wow. toxins, which means it, it, it cleanses the fat tissue, the muscle tissue, the blood. So um, so that's why it has to, it's very powerful. It has to be used with caution. Yeah. It's definitely not for pregnancy and nursing. <laughs> And um, it's just, it's not for everyone. So just like every powerful ingredient, you have to be careful. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Fascinating. And there's spice blends. Yeah, we have different spices. We have spices for each dosha. Uh, uh, We have spices for... um, Everything. Cool. (laughs) Are you guys hungry? 
Yeah. I'm What's hungry too, and I have to go to the bathroom, but this was a delight. <laughs> Thank you so much for having all of us. We can all just find, we have our both of our books here, and we'll sign them. They're here. And maybe we can, once we put everything back together, we can all sit at a table and, and, and have brunch together. Yeah, we do. Thank you for having us. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much. It's a real honor to have you. Mm. That was my episode with Divya from Divya's Kitchen. Thank you so much for listening. You guys are great. I'm so grateful that I do this podcast. I'm so grateful that you're listening. I'm so grateful that I get to do live episodes and I hope to do so many more of them. A couple quick announcements. First off, let's thank the sponsors again. Care of Supplements. I love Care of. You probably do too. They make your life really easy when you're trying to figure out what supplements to take. Just go to their website, take the quiz. They'll give you a personalized custom supplement assortment, really, cocktail, if you will, of supplements. And they even come in the most beautiful, most convenient packaging that's personalized with your name on it. So it's great to take on the go traveling. And they have prenatal and natal supplements. And everything you need, it's there for you. And you can get 50% off your first order by going to TakeCareOf.com and entering the code Katie at checkout. That's for 50% off. Also, thank you so much to Juice Beauty. Love the company. Love the founder, Karen, who's also from Michigan. They use completely organic ingredients sourced from farms. Their products work. I love their makeup. I love their primer. I'm obsessed with their skincare line as well not just their makeup all of their products i've been really impressed with there's not one thing that i don't like their face wash their green apple cleanser i use every single day as well as their primer like i keep mentioning i recently started using their mascara when i ran out of the other one i used and i'm very happy with it i'm never going to switch to a different mascara thank you so much for listening to the podcast this week the emoji for this week is it's food. It's the one when you type in food on your phone that comes up. It looks like a big pot of Indian food to me. So let's just go with that one this week. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you next week. Bye.